Hey everybody, hope everybody's doing well. This is your boy Jack. Welcome to Let's Talk Recovery and Family Podcast. Hope this finds you doing well. It's um for me, mid-afternoon or almost evening time on a Saturday, um, the 28th, and uh, it's been a good day, I have to say. It's been a good day, enjoying the family, uh, my daughters, well, i got two stepdaughters that are living with us, family. Family is important, and I've learned that the hard way um, as things have gone on through my life. Uh, and I do tend to share um, things a little bit as I do um, these podcasts. I'm not sure if you pick up on those on those things, but um, even from childhood, family has been important to me. I have great aunts and uncles, cousins. You know, we all are very supportive of each other and everything that we do. Um, there's just a few of us. <laughs> there's just a few of us that have, uh, um, I guess, went astray early in our lives, right? Uh, but luckily, um, and uh, thank God for um, recovery. Yeah, because uh, there's recovery from everything, not just drugs and alcohol, but uh, I think knuckleheadedness. I don't know if knuckleheadedness is a word, but man, uh, I'm grateful that I was able to get some recovery from that too, <laughs> right? Uh, but first things first, I appreciate you guys listening. And thank you very much. Um, and I appreciate it. I see you uh, uh, on a list, um, not by name, just by area. And, and I'm super grateful. Right. So don't hesitate um, to hit that support button. I appreciate anything um, down to a penny that you might feel like you can contribute. It does help me keep my computer and microphones and that kind of thing up to speed. Um, cause I enjoy doing this. I love sharing my own experiences, um, with people. Um, I, you know, I usually share my personal experiences and I share my experiences as, um, a drug and alcohol counselor. And I share my experiences as a husband, um, as a family guy, I can, whatever angle you can think of. I try to share all of those things. Um, I guess in rooms of AA and NA and I would call that sharing our, our experience, strength, and hope. And uh, I hope that um, that is something that I do. So today's going to be a little bit um, more of a topic geared towards relationships. Um, I know I talk a lot about alcoholism and drug addiction because it's one of my favorite topics. Um, but as I've said before, that alcoholism and drug addiction can really tend to be, most of the time, a symptom of other things, right? A symptom of other things that you don't see. Usually if somebody is, even if they're dealing with things that are, um, they can be subtle. They can be very subtle. Um, so low self-esteem, right? Stuff like that. Low self-esteem. Oh my gosh, that can ruin a relationship. Did you know people that have low self-esteem if they're not dealing with any other like narcissistic type stuff? Um, People with low self-esteem um, can ruin a relationship. Um, they can have a, a depression. It's the same thing, right? They can be condescending, demeaning. They can just be ugly in a relationship because they're not well. They're not well. Those things can also at some, at some points be um, um, symptoms of what's going on, the internal um, pressures and s- struggles and stuff like that that someone is uh, 
feeling. It's really weird that someone with um, depression or low self-esteem can have an affair. It's not unusual at all um, because they're searching. It's not about having the affair. Please listen. It's not about the other person. I know it doesn't look that way at face value, but most of the time the affair has nothing to do with that other person. It only has something to do with that buildup of the person that is struggling with depression, uh, low self-esteem, right? Nothing to do. Anybody can put a Band-Aid on something, right? You take one scratch, one sore, one cut on somebody's body, but whoever's there most of the time, it could be a different nurse, it could be your spouse, it could be a sister, cousin, brother, mother. Anybody can put a Band-Aid on that sore. And it's sort of the same thing, right? It's some internal conflict going on with that person. Internal conflict going on with that person. And so sometimes people turn to drinking, people turn to drugs, people turn to people. Right? It's a Band-Aid. People turn to people. People turn to gambling, right? shopping, whatever it is that needs to Band-Aid their issue. Whether it's low self-esteem, depression, anxiety, right? There's all those band-aids come in different shape, forms, and sizes. And it could be anybody, any place, anywhere, anytime. It can be anything, right? Think about that for a second. When you think of someone that is displaying behaviors that appear to be appear to be coming from someone who you think is unhappy in the relationship they're in. That's not always necessarily true. In my line of work, I have met men and women that would absolutely go the, the depths of whatever courtroom they needed to and swear on the biggest, thickest Bible they could find that they absolutely, positively love their spouses. But they've had an affair. Even if it's just an emotional affair. With person, place, or thing. Right? It's not always a person. I need you to get not away from that theory, that thought. Um, but just keep it in the back of your mind that it's not always a person. Not always... A person. You can have that emotional affair with the casino. Mm. Yeah. You can have that emotional affair with your drink of choice. Your drug of choice. Right? Um, it's not always a person. And again, these people have just completely vowed to any depths of the earth they could think of that they absolutely love their spouse. And, you know... I think most of the time they do. I think most of the time they do. Right? It, it's kind of strange, but they do. You know, if you have um, or want a romantic relationship, you probably want a healthy one, right? But what's a healthy relationship? Exactly. That could be something different. 
for anybody and everybody. I know people have those friends that have those very strange relationships, but it works for them, right? And I'm not talking about ones that are on it from a spiritual end, those that are of God and those that are not. I'm just talking in general, right? Um, Because no, I don't think that a throuple, three people in in a relationship is of God. I absolutely don't believe that. Uh, And I apologize if you're listening. Those are just, again, my points of view from a faith-based angle, right? But I'm looking at the broad picture here, so bear with me. Bear with me. Those relationships work for those people, right? You have relationships where husbands are the breadwinner. Wife stays home. That works for those people. I've been and seen relationships, you know, in, in the process of going through. I've been through a lot of people's lives as an addictions counselor and a peer support specialist. And I've seen a lot of angles um, on what relationships look like. I have seen women as the breadwinner. Right? I've seen women as the breadwinner. Don't knock it, I guess, till you try it. I'm not there. I can't do it, but that's okay. Um, but I do believe that even if the wife is the breadwinner, the man, the husband can still be the spiritual head of the house. That's a whole another topic, right? Whole another topic. But I do believe that wives can be the breadwinner and that's okay because you get up in age 30, 40, 50, and let's say that you do meet somebody that in the course of their life before they met you did a lot more college time than you. Right. And so they've positioned themselves to have a very comfortable income. Whereas just due to the nature of your life, you did not. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But you still have to ask, what is a healthy relationship? Well, it depends. Healthy relationships don't look the same for everyone since people have different needs. Your specific needs around communication, sex, affection, space, shared hobbies or values, right? And so many change throughout your life. Sometimes your points of view change on some of those things as you grow and mature. Your take on what a positive sexual relationship might not be the same at 25 as it is at 50, right? Also, in that group of things mentioned affection. Affection may be what soars to take over. It kind of sort of takes over. And we're talking about communication, sex, and affection, right? For young people, you know, maybe it is the high sex drive that everybody has. As you get older, communication and affection seems to be more important, right? Because you mature. It's not that the sex isn't needed and it's not that sex isn't good. You're mature and you're more willing to communicate and you're more willing to share more affection um, as you get older. That's just my take. You know, it's just one of those things, right? Relationships um, that works for you in your 20s, um, maybe nothing like the relationship that you want or need in your 30s, right? 
that's my point. People think it's very strange that my wife and I do a lot of things together. Back when um, I was still a knucklehead and knuckleheadingly doing things, maybe I'm trying to come up with another word, <laughs> but <laughs> I still didn't have my head on straight and I was not basing my decisions on the needs of my spouse. Um, for some reason, I was I still kept myself first. And when you want a good, smooth, positive relationship, you've got to take the other person into consideration. You have to. And that's on both sides. If you're the one struggling with a physical affair or an emotional affair, you know, whether you're at the casino, whether you're drinking more, drugging more, or actually seeing somebody else, you need to really analyze the reasons for why, right? You got to really look at the reasons why and go back to that. Your specific needs around communication, sex, affection, and space and how those things may change and alter some as you get older. Maybe there's a need for you to communicate those things, right? I've seen in my line of work, people have affairs over some of the strangest things, right? They have, I saw a TikTok the other day and it was a, a woman talking about how she was comparing the working man, the 40, 50, 60 hour a week working guy and building with him versus babysitting the broke guy, right? If you're one of those people that are so needy that you have to have that person around all the time so much so that they're not working, and you're the one working and babysitting that guy or that gal, you need to really reevaluate yourself for one. That sounds like some severe codependent issue, right? But weigh that out. Would you rather build with a hardworking man or woman versus babysitting a broke one, right? So you got to, I think those things and those values and those points of view change as you get older. You know, I think the 20, don't knock it, okay? Don't upset me or don't upset, don't get upset, don't send emails. I think there's a difference between the 20-year-old woman and the 45-year-old woman, and it varies in between. Right. Again, we're talking about just growth. You know, I can't necessarily say maturity because I know some women that are 20 that are very pretty mature for their age. Right. But your points of view change and the things that you need change over the course of time. So really, I mean, I guess it, it varies from what one healthy relationship looks like versus another. As I mentioned a second ago. What is okay in one relationship may not be okay in another. And I mentioned ago, a minute ago that people look at my wife and I very strange because we have done so much um, together. We've worked as a team for quite a long time. Um, July 7th of 2002 was 
when my wife finally came home after a seven-month separation. And I remember the very things that I used to miss while she was gone. I thought about some small things. But they weren't as obvious until she came home. When we were sitting on the couch of my, my new place. We were sitting on a couch and I knew I missed hearing the kids playing in the background. And hearing the laughing and the, you know. And the fighting, <laughs> right until that day, July 7th of 2002. And it was even more obvious on that day as we were sitting there talking. And I'm hearing the kids playing in the background, right? We were separated for seven months and um, it was really all me, right? Some people really struggled with the idea of my wife leaving because I was dealing with some depression and stuff too, anxiety, anger issues, you know, and I was uh, drinking and stuff to medicate it like most everybody else that I reach out to in this podcast. Um, you know, unfortunately, rabbit, unfortunately, drugs and alcohol are cheaper than what the doctors want to write skip scripts for, um, and not everybody can afford what's happening, but that too is a whole other topic, right? That too is a whole other topic. That's why I say that a lot of the times the behaviors and the drinking and drugging that you see um, people doing are most of the time symptoms of other things. Um, so reach out to those people, right? Don't count them off yet. Reach out to those people because they've got something deep-seated going on. Um, but I remember that day. But ever since that day, it seems like we've done everything together. We lived together, loved together, laughed together, worked together. Right? Not too long after that, it was within a few years, my wife and I launched a Celebrate Recovery ministry at the church we were going to. And we did that together as two leaders, really by ourselves, for uh, most of, I guess, um, Five years that we had it, I think it was something like that. Um, towards the last, you know, last year, two years, we had other leaders that we had trained and brought up in the ministry. And um, matter of fact, when we moved to um, Oregon, uh, December thirty first of fourteen through January the third of fifteen, I don't know who moves up into the mountains during the winter. Oh my gosh! But. Yeah, we left it to those two uh, leaders. Of course, you know, they got busy, and um, not everybody's passion is the same as ours. Um, even when at 38 years old, I had a couple of strokes. They were two hours apart. I know they were an hour apart on the same day. And one of my biggest concerns was, how are we going to get Celebrate Recovery done? Who's going to facilitate that for us, right? Because for me and my wife, that was um, that was our baby. Um, and we, so we ran this ministry together. We went to other church ministries together. When we moved to Oregon, um, we were working in a methadone clinic. Um, I think I've mentioned that before in other podcasts, too. We are working at Ben Treatment Center. And she was the program director, and I uh, very quickly became the clinical supervisor there. Um, I supervised four or five other counselors. And we've done that together. 
And now, as you guys have heard in a few other podcasts, I'm, I'm working in an addictions peer support specialist or drug and alcohol services at the state hospital um, where I live. And my wife, we won't be working together necessarily, but uh, <laughs> she just um, took on a job out there too. And then we come home together and we live together. People find it strange when I tell you that we don't argue. My wife and I do not argue. Because I think back about the time that I didn't have her home with me to argue with. Mm. You follow me? I remember when she wasn't home available for me to argue with. My wife and I don't argue. Um, because I decided a long time ago that really you just a couple of things that you got to consider. You know, if you're a right fighter, are you a right fighter? Ask yourself that question. Are you a right fighter in a relationship? Do you need to be right? Do you have to be right? Because that's going to cause a problem. You're going to write yourself right into a separation, right into a divorce, right? So you don't need to be a right fighter. Are you hearing me? You know, you got to ask yourself, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Unfortunately, you can't always have them both. So it's a question you probably better ask pretty quickly. Right? Pretty quickly. If those are the kind of fights that you have on who's more right than the other, right? That's not what God intended for you to do. That's not how a marriage is supposed to work. Right? Relationships that don't align with more traditional definitions of a relationship can still be healthy. Doesn't mean you got to fight all the time. People who pra- practice um, other things that are out of the norm, you know, again, I'm a faith guy and it doesn't line up with what my beliefs are. But we're talking about the chaos. If your relationship causes chaos right are you fighting all the time right in short healthy relationship is a broad term because what makes relationships thrive depends on the needs of the people in it there's a lesson for the guys i remember a time when I worked 8 to 5, wife was working 8 to 5, somewhere else. One of those rare times that we didn't work together. She would pick me up at 5. I'm trying to be quiet and process my work day of dealing with people's depression, anxiety, divorce, alcoholism, drug addiction issues, and all of the things that that entails. And my wife wants to vent about her day all the way home with there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that right that's what women do right you just got to figure out what their love language is i think women think in terms more of um, loving right loving and unloving and men think of terms in or see things in terms of um, respect and disrespect and there's nothing wrong with that it's not right or wrong men and women are just different right or just different but she's venting about her day. Not for me to fix it. Don't be a fix it guy either. 
And anytime she felt like a stressor was coming up at work and I would be quick to go, well, what you ought to do? And that was the wrong thing to say, right? Don't ever start a uh, sentence off when you're talking to your wife with what you ought to do, right? Or what my opinion is. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let her vent, guys. Let her vent. If you have a problem remembering, right? Well, this is what I started doing was taking notes. On the way home, I would kind of try to mental note some of the more stressful, more heavily pointed out things that she would bring up. And I would run in the house and figure out where I could write them down real quick and I'd stick them in my sock drawer. Then what I do is a couple of days later, a couple of days later, right? Here's some good prouding points for you guys. A couple of days later, I would come to her, you know, while she's fixing dinner or whatever. And sometimes I would sit at the table. Sometimes I walk behind her, put my arms around her. You know, it varied depending on the situation. And I would say, hey, babe. I was thinking about a couple of things you said the other day. And um, if you would allow me to, I would like to share a couple of points of view. Man, alive, are you talking about brownie points? One, it presented as though I was listening, which I really was. I just don't have, I had a problem remembering. And then instead of trying to be the fix-it guy, I let it just kind of, you know, mull around a couple of days. And then I asked her permission to share my input. That comes across as loving and caring, right? Where us guys think about things in, in, in the frame of respect or disrespect, you know, we're quick to be the ones that go, we better watch your tone with me. Don't talk to me like that. Right? And... You got the wife who runs around the house on the weekends, sweeping and cleaning and wiping, and you're on the couch, and she lets it fester and boil and fester and boil until she's angry. And that's when she decides to say, I wish you would freaking help me get the dead gun trash out. Well, that came across to us guys as disrespectful. Why did it come across as disrespectful? It's because she's feeling a little unloved that you're not helping around the house. Right? So what happens is she comes across as a little disrespectful and you want to twist off with whatever it is. Crazy woman, don't talk to me like that. I don't need you barking at me. Right? Well, that sounds a little unloving because that's how we think in terms of loving, unloving, respect, disrespect. When if people would really say how they should sound or think, say what they're thinking. I mean, what if your spouse actually said, hey, honey, you know, I love us so much. I love our home so much. And I'm trying to keep it picked up and cleaned for us so that it looks like we care for the home and each other. Would you please help me? Please help me and just simply take the trash out for me. Right? That sounds a heck of a lot better. It doesn't sound as, doesn't sound disrespectful. Right? But that's just how we hear things. Right? And that starts at women, guess what? Ladies, that starts at an early age. 
remember when my son used to ask me at 14 years old, his stepmom, my wife now, would get angry. She'd wait till she's built up the steam and go off on him about picking up his room, right? And this is what he would say. He would say, Dad, I really hate when Mom talks to me like that. He didn't know how to clarify it, right? But that tells me, that even at 14, he felt a little disrespected. That's just in our nature. Again, there's nothing right or wrong about it. Know that, men. Women think in terms of loving and unloving. So you better figure out how to speak that language. Ladies, men think of things in the frame of respect or disrespect. Right? Maybe you try to think of that or consider that when you're approaching him about things. Right? And guys, don't be hard-headed. It's not permission to get hard-headed. But flowing in a family is difficult enough. It's difficult enough. Partners in a healthy relationship typically talk about the things going on in their lives. That's what helps them be successful in a relationship. Right? They talk about successes, failures, and everything in between. You should be comfortable talking about any issues that come up from things that happen in everyday life, right? Like work, a friend, a coworker, other stressors, right? To more serious issues such as mental health symptoms or financial concerns. Note that I just said mental health issues or symptoms. Oh my gosh. Do not wait till you're thinking about going out there and drinking and drugging. Do not wait till your depression has put you down in such a hole that nobody can communicate with you. Do not wait for that. Bring it up sooner. And it doesn't have to be with your spouse, right? Bring it up with somebody who you feel safe with. Mom, dad, right? Mental health issues are a big deal. More and more professional people are coming out about it. I mentioned that too before, right? Communication goes both ways. It's important you also feel that they'll voice their own concerns or thoughts as they come up. Promise that to each other. Promise that to each other. Trust involves honesty and integrity. You don't keep secrets from each other. Man, it's not good to keep secrets from each other, but definitely if you're dealing with mental health issues, don't do it. Don't do it. Get it out there, right? When you're apart, you don't worry about them. You don't, you know, or pursuing others. You just talk to them, right? Just talk to them. I could go on about this topic for a whole nother hour because it's that important. It's that important. My wife knows when I'm feeling down. We've had a lot of that the last couple of years, to believe it or not. We've had a lot of mud thrown at us. You know, that's how you make a mountain out of a molehill. You just keep adding dirt. But we keep thriving because we have each other. We're not right fighters. We love each other. 
we respect each other. And you got to be with somebody whom you can share that type of commitment with. Right? I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for the time. I hope you got something out of this session. Um, And until next time, uh, be blessed. See you soon.